Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a October 3rd Monday episode of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and the former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back once again to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, a great network which uh, you may have heard more of. Uh, it's not just Locked On Blazers. There's Locked On for every team. Uh, of course, we did crossovers a couple weeks ago. We did Warriors, Thunder, Jazz. We've done a Spurs crossover with our Locked On Spurs pod, and just, just a whole lot of great stuff coming from the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm very excited that uh, today uh, I get to see the podfather of our network, uh, the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz and the host of Locked On Jazz and Locked On NBA here on the Locked On Podcast Network, David Locke. So uh, I'm excited to see him tonight. Uh, yes, it is Monday, October 3rd, and this is a preseason edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. We are looking ahead at things to look for in the preseason because the preseason, as we know, is a pretty meaningless endeavor. It, it, it's, uh, I, I forget who said it, but it's, it's the NBA, it's the basketball version of whose line is it anyway where the points don't matter and you're really just looking for things that are not going to show up on the box score, which is, it's weird because it's hard to evaluate preseason because you can't really evaluate it by like the team went six and one in preseason and therefore, you know, they are going to be a good team. You know, they, uh, the Blazers start their preseason tonight, Monday against the Utah jazz, a team that many who follow the league and who's, or whose job it is to follow the league or, you know, whose job it is to, uh, make betting lines for the league all think the jazz are going to be pretty good so uh this should be a a fun a fun little dance for the blazers obviously preseason basketball doesn't matter that much uh jason conception of the ringer did a a nice little breakdown of the five times of the greatest moments in preseason basketball history which they it's not altogether meaningless there are some moments that will stand out to you uh because there for, for the teams themselves there is value to be gained there are things to be gained in the preseason, uh, you know, especially you look down the roster and you look at, you know, situations for a lot of the guys on the Blazers team. You have Myers Leonard, who is almost back from an injury, has already been playing three on three, but, you know, wants to get his you know feet wet. And it's really a no, not a no risk situation in the sense that he may not 
is he's not going to get injured again, but it's a low risk situation in the sense that the game doesn't necessarily mean anything in the win and loss column. And I think that that's an important thing for this Blazers team to remember in the preseason and just to remember as a fan too, that, you know, it may not mean anything in terms of who's going to be on the starting lineup and who is going to uh, play X amount of minutes every game and all that stuff. But what you can't see is guys maybe working their way back into injury or guys getting to know the offense a little bit, new guys like maybe Evan Turner, who, you know, comes from a system that was very, you know, egalitarian. Everyone gets to, everyone gets to touch the ball. Everyone gets to make a play. You know, for the most part, everyone is involved in the action with Boston and, He's going to be involved in that way again, but different players, different reads, a different system, uh, and there's going to be a lot of stuff to look for and a lot of things that a lot of the Blazers are going to be working on in the preseason. Uh, As far as injuries are concerned, the FanFest injury list, the guys who are not going to be playing in, who did not play in the FanFest, Myers Leonard, Noah Vonley, Festus Azili, and Jake Lehman. I'm going to assume that all those guys will not play in the first preseason game, which is Monday against the Utah Jazz. So uh, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer, it appears, before Myers Leonard makes a return to live action and uh, we see him get to play for an extended run uh, in in a real competition and in a real game situation. I'm sure he's very eager to do that, but, uh, it would make, it makes a lot of sense that Stotts is not going to, uh, run out guys that are recovering from injuries, uh, in the fan fest. Although, uh, I'm sure all those guys would, would like to be a part of it. You can potentially be a part of the preseason if you'd like tonight. And the easiest way to get there would be via SeatGeek. And buying tickets for sports and concerts has always been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites really want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. And they've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell their tickets. And that includes the Blazers preseason game tonight against the Utah Jazz, which you can definitely still get tickets for. I just looked on SeatGeek for myself because I was curious. And it's the first place that I go to look for uh, a sporting event or a concert. And I have the app on my phone. Like I said, I was using it the other day just to make sure that I wasn't wrong. And they have everything to make your life easier. And that includes the deal score function, which grades deals on one to 100 basis on a one to 100 score, 100 being the best, one being the worst to tell you what the best deal is for your tickets. And they do price comparison for you. They search multiple ticket sites so that you don't have to on SeatGeek. It's great. It's like kayak.com, but for sports tickets, they take all of the best all of the best websites into account and then find the best deals for you. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to get that $20 rebate, you have to go to, to download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, and enter promo code LOBLAZERS. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. And maybe that's tonight for the Blazers' first preseason game. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBLAZERS today. You know, there's going to be a lot of stuff to look at, I think, uh, in this preseason that uh, is, it, it, you want to look at that is not points-related, record-related. And I think one of the most important things is something that we based our last episode around, and that is 
whether Mason Plumlee can really, you know, make a stamp with this mid-range jumper or floater or whatever he's doing, I, you know, we haven't seen it. We, we haven't seen Mason Plumlee go to work with this uh, little weapon, and uh, I want to see if it really works. And that's one of the things I'm going to be really looking for in the, you know, the first quarter tomorrow and the third quarter tomorrow, those times that Plumlee is going to get to play because they're definitely going to limit uh, the guy's minutes. Uh, at least the the starters, the guys who will be playing a lot come regular season. I think the last preseason game is usually the closest that you'll get to kind of like a tune up, um, where they'll they'll ramp up the minutes. I think they're going to bring these guys back in slow because you know a lot of them, you know, they have been working out all season, but they haven't been you know working out in the same way. I don't think they've been working out as hard as they as as a game will push them or as practices in training camp have pushed them. So uh, I think they're going to gradually bring the guys back. I wouldn't expect the you know guys like Lillard and McCollum to play more than 20 minutes or so and that'll give you know a lot of young guys opportunity obviously later on in the games uh to to make a stamp or, or, or uh, on the game and you know maybe try and make the roster I think obviously the uh you know f- fourth quarters are going to be big for that type of stuff but for the for the Mason Plumley work the the things that I want to see uh, the things that we've all heard about, the stuff that he's worked on this summer with the mid-range jumper, uh, I want to see how for real that is because I feel like that does change his ceiling as a player. I think it changes the Blazers' ceiling as a team if he can score. So uh, Mason Plumley working in the mid-range and how uh, effective that is, how teams will buy into that because um, you know even if he gets it going in the preseason – that's a that's a start and then from there then he's got to work it in in the regular season and then the next step from that point will be how teams adjust to plumbling and how that changes the trajectory of the blazers how that changes how defenses will attack the blazers offensive or offensive attack because you know the the book on portland is you you double team the point guards Lillard and McCollum, you force the ball out of their hands, you force Amino to shoot, or you force Plumley to put the ball on the ground. And Plumley did a great job of putting the ball on the ground, and Amino did a great job of making open shots last year. But I want to see how the defenses will play if now that Mason Plumley catches the ball, not only could he make a nice pass, can he also pull up from 16 and knock down a jumper? And if that happens, watch out. The Blazers are going to be in the mix with uh the thunder the jazz i think they're going to be better than the thunder easily if Plumlee can make those jump shots and then i i I think it's really a a crapshoot between them and the jazz because the jazz have so much good veteran talent now to really aid their young guys that clearly i mean i think just also by the moves that they made in the offseason it was an acknowledgement by the front office that hey our core of guys, our young guys are not ready to be, you know, everything for this team and, and they can't show us the way. And I think that they're, they got a bunch of veterans on their team that, you know, maybe they're aside Boris Diaz is a champion, but you know, they have guys that have been deep in the playoffs, at least before in George Hill and in Joe Johnson. And those guys can kind of show them the way because the jazz have to get past that starting point. And I think that the Blazers are already there with their young core. And then if Plumlee can, you know, really make things happen offensively with that mid-range jumper, I mean, I'm really, really uh, excited uh, about the possibilities for this Blazers team because um, 
it really does change things. And uh, I, I'm excited to see how it works and if it works. And uh, another thing to look for in the preseason, uh, as the Blazers begin the preseason on Monday against the Utah Jazz, is how does Evan Turner work away from the ball? And who is he going to work best with? Because that's a, a, a question that the Blazers season, I think, is going to hinge on a little bit. And and that is, how can Evan Turner provide value to the Blazers when the ball is not in his hands? Because he doesn't necessarily have to, because there are a lot of guys on the team that have shown that they can provide value without the ball in their hands. I'm talking about Alan Crabb. I'm talking about Maurice Harkless. And the question with Turner is not whether he can be a valuable player with the ball in his hands because he can be a valuable player with the ball in his hands. He was, uh, you know, really was the backup point guard for the Celtics last year, uh, has good control of the ball, knows how to find guys, knows how to, has a good feel for the game uh, at six seven. But can he provide value to the Blazers when he's not handling the ball in a given possession? Because even if he's sharing the floor with CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum, great floor spacer, great three point shooter led the Blazers last year in three point percentage. But is it better for your offense to have CJ McCollum handling the ball? Probably. And if he does have the ball, where is Turner's man playing where it, and, and how does that affect the overall spacing of the offense? Can Turner, provide adequate spacing for the Blazers, for their best guards, off the ball. And I think we won't get a clear picture on that uh, in the preseason. That That's just not going to happen because we're not going to get enough minutes. Uh, I think they're going to limit a lot of minutes. And I think, you know, a lot of times you're going to see a little bit, you're going to learn a little bit more as we see these guys more on the court together and they will mix and match. But we... Uh, the people who are watching them who don't have the benefit of watching them behind closed doors will just have to, we probably won't see as much of them out on the court together and how Evan Turner works away from the ball and who he pairs best with is something that I'm really interested in seeing and interested in uh, hearing about uh, as the preseason progresses. Does he have chemistry with, you know, specific guys? Does he work better with specific guys? Because, you know, anybody, the people all say, you know, okay, well, you know, you plug him in next man up, he'll play. But, you know, the thing about basketball is, is that certain players just generally play better with other people for whatever reason it may be. It's not something that you can predict. It's something about how they play with each other that is kind of, um, you don't know until you try it. And so uh, Evan Turner is going to get that opportunity and he's going to see if he can, you know, we're going to, we're going to get to see if he can kind of build a little chemistry with certain guys, certain groups and uh, how that all works out and, and how, um, the shooting part of his game, not the ball handling. I want to know how that is going to fit in. And if he himself maybe feels that he is a little bit more empowered or a little bit more confident to shoot some threes and how that changes things. So, um, as we look to the preseason, how Evan Turner works off the ball and who he's working well with, um, I think are important questions or interesting things to look at and consider as we uh, look towards uh, the preseason, which starts again tonight against the Utah Jazz for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, and can Myers Leonard hold down center? And is Ed Davis still going to chase small forwards around? And how do they work that rotation? So this is kind of a long question, but... 
last year a big a very successful strategy that the Blazers employed uh in the second half of last season was that Myers Leonard would play center and Ed Davis would play power forward, at least defensively. So that way Myers Leonard would match up against the bigger centers who could maybe post up a little bit more, maybe a little bit more bruising. And then Ed Davis would chase uh, what is now uh, pretty much the standard power forward in the league, which is usually a quicker player, a player that maybe played small forward, or was it more a traditional small forward uh, in the years past in the NBA before they kind of the whole league started to shift towards this small ball thing. And that's where the Blazers are going uh, because Alfa Rukamino is playing power forward and is starting and they have the ability to go small with either Mo Harkless or potentially even Evan Turner at power forward if they, if, if they so choose. And are the Blazers going to go back to that strategy? How do they attack second units? Because the way that they were able to attack second units with Ed Davis getting all the offensive rebounds and having a guy that's so elite at that on your second unit. Then you have a, an elite shot creator in CJ McCollum you, and you, you work that together with some good shooters like Crabb and Leonard. And, and they made hay with that all season long, especially in the second half of the season when they really turned their season around. And so now how are they going to attack it? Is the small ball identity going to bleed into the entire way that they play? Or is the small ball identity with Aminu just a starting point and, you still can go more traditional looking with two, you know, bigger guys like Davis and Leonard in the front court. Can you do that? And uh, I'm interested to see how the Blazers are going to attack that in the preseason. Do they play those two guys together, Davis and Leonard? Is one of them going to be on the outside of the rotation looking in? Uh, I, I've always been weary about that. I, I, I've always worried a little bit. Uh, about how the team may be if Ed Davis doesn't play because he's such an important part of their team, not just the fact that he's an elite offensive rebounder, but also because he's such a um, he's such a part of the fabric of the team emotionally and uh, just the way they they're, the way they look at things. And and I feel like Davis gives them a little bit of attitude in there as a veteran. Uh, you know, everyone likes the the tales of the the archetype of the grizzly vet who has been in the league for a long time and you know imparts his wisdom with the young guys and all that stuff. But uh, you know, the grizzly vets are human too, and if they're not playing, uh, I, I worry about how uh, you know that might bleed into his role as the locker room vet. I'm not saying I'm not. I don't have any worries about Ed Davis as a character guy, but it's hard to kind of stay you know, with the team mindset and all that stuff, if you're not getting yours too. So um, how Stotts decides to manage that back end of the front court rotation, whether he decides to go small ball for 48 minutes or whether he kind of tries to bully guys and on second units and have Davis bully guys on the glass and still have the shooting of Myers Leonard in there at the front court, uh, I think is going to be a really interesting thing. I think a really interesting story for the Blazers all season because that unit was so solid and now they're kind of going into this small ball look. The league is going to that, and I wonder um, how they're going to answer. Are they going to go back? Are they going to zig where where you know other teams are zagging in terms of that rotation? And I think it's you know it's a weapon for the Blazers to be able to play so many styles. And so uh, Myers Leonard is a guy that that brings that. And so and and, and so is Davis because of his uh, offensive rebounding. And then probably the last thing to look at as we look towards the preseason. Uh, just uh, one last story before we uh, end for today's episode is, you know, who gets that 15th man spot? I think 
uh, it's really interesting, and I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast already, but Luis Montero, a guy that the Blazers really, you know, they believed in his package of skills. They knew he was raw. They knew he had a really uh, you know, difficult situation as a, a prospect coming from junior college, not getting to go, not getting into because of, you know, a transcript situation, an NCAA situation with his old school to get to a four-year college where he would have put a little bit more on film and then to have that happen and then to get to the NBA uh, after not playing for a year and then, you know, basically working out the whole season with the team, getting a little bit of D-League experience, but they kept him around. Uh, they, they, they got rid of Cliff Alexander, who had, was a highly touted recruit when he was in high school, and Montero was kind of not as touted. So he's kind of an, uh, this under-the-radar guy that just kind of fell out of the sky into their hands. And uh, he, he can shoot the ball a little bit. He, he, he's, a, he's got guard skills, but he's a wing size at about 6'7". But he's he's truly a project, and I think he's going to take a little bit more time. Even though he's 22, 23 years old, you know, it, he, he's not the same as a guy that's been in college for, you know, how four years or what, what have you. And he's not a guy that, that really um, maybe is ready yet. But, you know, I think the tantalizing thing about him is how, what he could be. But do they decide to go with Luis Montero and continue their um, – investment project because they have made a large investment in Aminu or do they say we uh are they pot committed on Aminu or not Aminu Montero are they pot committed on Montero and do they decide to stick with him because of all the development time that's been spent with him or do they say we need to be a 50 win team we need to be a top four seed we need to be a playoff team no matter what and we need another guy that can help us now do they think that that's what they need? And do they think that maybe that's Tim Quarterman, the uh, guard 6'6 out of LSU? Do they think that that's him? Do they think that he helps them today more than a guy like Montero can? And is that more important? Do the Blazers have that time to develop a guy like Montero? Or does a guy like Quarterman present a package of skills that's much more useful to the Blazers now? And does that uh, line of thinking ultimately uh, win them over. So uh, the Quarterman Montero uh, ba- battle, I guess, uh, is going to be interesting. I know they brought in Greg Steamsma to the team. Uh, I-, I don't necessarily think that he's going to uh, be a guy who sticks around. Um, I think really Quarterman's a guy that that may have a chance to to, to make the team, and Montero is going to be holding him off. But he does have that year of experience, so um, he he may end up getting to stay uh, because he has that year of experience. As he he's put in the time, and the Blazers have put in the time in him. So it could be a situation like Tim Frazier last year, where uh, the guy who's the incumbent ends up keeping it. So we'll see. Uh, but that that's going to develop. So I think at the end of fourth quarters, I think in preseason games, it's going to be Montero watch uh, all season or all preseason, all month of October long. So, uh, but that's it for me. I'm your host, Eric under Eric, Eric underscore Eric Garcia Gunderson, but my Twitter handle is at Eric underscore Gunderson. And I was already transitioning into that segue before I finished the first thing. So lesson to all the kids out there, finish what you're going to say first before thinking about what you're going to say next. But Follow me on Twitter. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBlazers. Send the podcast an email at LockedOnBlazers at gmail.com. We'll be back again tomorrow with a report from 
uh, the Blazers' first preseason game, let you know what we if we saw anything interesting, if anybody said anything interesting. Uh, may not happen because it's preseason, but we'll let you know what we hear uh, tomorrow as the preseason begins for the Portland Trail Blazers. So keep it locked here on Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, great network. We keep on adding shows, and all of our NBR, all of our NBA shows are ramping up. So be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn FM. If you're listening to us on FanRag Sports, we would really love you to subscribe to our show. Um, and and thanks to all of you who are listening on FanRag Sports. And shout out to FanRag Sports for uh, posting the Lockdown Blazers podcast. So we'll be back again tomorrow with a report from the first preseason game for the Portland Trailblazers. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.